You just tell me how to run my family. It might be more important now that you've proven the field and we're offering to buy you out. One night, I'm going to come to you inside of your house, wherever you're sleeping, and I'm going to cut your throat. What? What are you talking about? Have you gone crazy, you know Daniel? I, I heard what you said. Why did you, you say don't it? tell me about my son. Welcome to Narratively Speaking, the podcast that explores the power of story in all its forms, its role in society, and how it helps to shape the ideas we think we believe in. I'm your work in progress host, Harv, and as always, I hope you're having a bloody fantastic day. Um, But don't get too used to it, because today we're going to be covering a pretty damn depressing topic. Um, Hopefully I'll be able to give you a little bit of hope at the end, so... You know, don't skip the last five minutes because that will be the thing that pulls you out of a downward spiral towards suicide. And after that, I bet you're rearing to get into it, as am I. So let's start with a bit of a scene setting, shall we? The Illuminati, an all-powerful and mysterious group of anonymous shadowy figures with designs on full-spectrum dominance of the entire planet. They meet in shadowy rooms over brandies and cigars, and sometimes they organize large conferences with only the elite of the elite invited, where they conspire to implement a plan that spans generations, passed from one family member to the next, with each generation expanding their bloodline's wealth and power. They use their influence to curry war and chaos throughout the entire world so that they can profit from it and continue to increase their power. They poison the food supply and spray chemicals into the air, and they spread fear and chaos because it keeps us docile, uninformed, and under their control. They are child abusers and Luciferians. They mind control celebrities and media pundits to disseminate their agenda in the form of false flag events and psychological operations. They park in handicapped spaces. They buy tickets to movies, but refuse to sit in their allocated seats. They kick puppies and pop children's balloons. It's pretty far-fetched, right? Well, recently I've been watching House of Cards, and to me that seems to be a show that chronicles the growth and progress and ascension to power of a psychopath. Uh, Kevin Spacey's character in that show, Frank Underwood, is really the personification of what I imagine a real-world Illuminati member might be like. And, you know, the word Illuminati is a little overplayed. It's not really what I'm referring to here, but more just this idea that there's a power elite, this, you know, 0.001% of people who um, have the capacity and desire to rule the entire planet and somehow are pulling this off and it's evident in the world today. I don't think people are using the word Illuminati as much anymore. They tend to use the word deep state, um, which is ironically, uh, you know, a a sort of a marketing relabeling of the same ideas, um, but somewhat more palatable to the general public. It's kind of like when they relabeled global warming to climate change when they were faced with the facts that the global average temperatures weren't actually rising. But that kind of exemplifies the problem with conspiracy theory in general. Um, Most of the time, the 
the, the version of conspiracy theory that people get to hear is this sort of pre-packaged, memefied, soundbite version of what might actually be made up of quite a lot of detailed research and information. Because when people who don't believe in conspiracy theories or are skeptical in general um, are talking to people who do believe in conspiracy theories, they really don't give them a lot of consideration because they're already skeptical and resistant to these ideas. So the conspiracy theorist knows they're only going to get a good five to 10 seconds to get their piece in. So they attempt to get it across very quickly in summary form and in doing so sound completely crazy. Um, I guess that's why podcasts are a good thing because here I, here I am, I can sit here and I'm in your ear and I can talk to you for as long as I want and you have to listen. And I just noticed a whole bunch of you just turned off the podcast and started listening to Joe Rogan. So um, that's fine. That's fine. Alastia, that's that's my bad. But conspiracy theory is an interesting phenomenon because it seems to be kind of like the mythology of our current times. You know, um, back in the day, I guess it was, I don't know, Greek gods or, you know, biblical stories or whatever. These days, um, we get conspiracy theories to, to try and mold our understanding of the world that we live in. And it's hard to understand the world we live in because there seems to be all this weird corruption and um, strangeness everywhere you look, especially with the advent of the internet and YouTube and all these conspiracy videos. Sometimes it seems like you can't even turn sideways without inadvertently knocking your dick against a pedophile. I got to be honest, uh, they seem to be everywhere at the moment. And I mentioned House of Cards. Bloody Kevin Spacey turned out to be a pedo, so go figure, eh? Maybe that's why he's so good at playing psychopaths. But why is this idea of a power elite, uh, an Illuminati, a deep state, why is it so hard for people to believe? Why do they find it so far-fetched? And I think there's a few reasons for this. Um, one is, of course, that uh, if you try to imagine the level of organization required to pull off this kind of global domination, um, it seems pretty damn unrealistic. It seems like something that you couldn't possibly ever organize. And that's a pretty valid uh, criticism. I think, uh, you know, if you imagine it in this sort of cartoonish way with these guys in suits and tuxedos and top hats and shit, you know, twirling their monocles and growing their mustaches in back rooms with cigars and brandies and all that sort of shit, then yeah, it's, it is pretty silly kind of image. Um, but I don't really think that's what people are talking about when they talk about the deep state or the Illuminati. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll deal with this objection a little bit more later. The other thing that you hear a lot is that the sheer number of people who would be required to keep the secret makes it basically impossible because of course someone would speak out if there was this evil group of controlling psychopaths manipulating our lives, then someone would say something about it, right? But aren't people saying things about it all the time? We're just not listening to them because they're segmented off as this crazy um, segment of society that are labeled conspiracy theorists and ignored. But perhaps it doesn't need a lot of people keeping a secret. Maybe that's a simplification too. 
Um, but I think the main reason that people find this far-fetched is that they can't relate to these hypothetical people who apparently think like this, who want to dominate the world. I think the average person uh, has a pretty good heart, just wants to do the right thing, uh, keep their head down, earn a bit of money, just enough to get by, and doesn't really want to have power over other people, doesn't even see the value in that. You know, they just want to look after their family, um, have a little bit of comfort and, you know, not have to deal with the stresses of global domination. I mean, can you imagine taking that on your shoulder? It would just be crazy. It's not appealing at all to a regular person. But that's where psychopathy comes in. Some guy in Broadmoor who may or may not fake madness, psh, that's not a big story. The big story is corporate psychopathy. He said, psychopathy is so powerful a brain anomaly, and it is a brain anomaly, he says. It's the, uh, it's the amygdala, doesn't send enough signals of fear and distress up and down to the central nervous system. He's the, psychopaths are the neurological opposite of me. My amygdala sends way too many signals of fear and distress up and down to my central nervous system. Uh, so they don't feel anxious, no anxiety. Um, he said, it's such a powerful brain anomaly that it molded society all wrong. Capitalism, at its most ruthless, is a physical manifestation of psychopathy. That's how powerful the condition is. We are all victims of psychopathy. Every time I have a conversation uh, with a workmate or a friend about um, conspiracy-related topics, it always goes towards psychopathy. And I think that's because understanding psychopathy is at the core of understanding this idea of this global power structure. I was actually having a conversation uh, just last week in the office with a workmate, and I was pretty surprised actually at how receptive those guys were to this pretty bold claim that I made that, uh, you know, that a large percentage of CEOs are probably psychopaths. And uh, one of the guys pulled out his uh, cell phone and started Googling the statistics on it to try and uh, debunk what I was saying. And it turns out that 22% of CEOs are psychopathic as of, you know, last year or whenever it was that that study was done. And he was sort of saying, oh, well, there's no, no evidence to show that the number of psychopaths is growing in society. And I said, well, no, but 22% um, uh, is a pretty big number considering that only 1% of the population are psychopathic to start with. If nothing else, it at least proves that psychopaths are attracted to positions of power. I mean, 22% is a significantly disproportionate amount of psychopaths to have in the CEO role. Um, I think that one has to understand that anyone that's attracted to that level of power, I think is already in a kind of disease state. Very few people would ever want to get to that level of domination, power, and to get to that place, you have to do a lot of really, I think, pretty bad things. So once those people get there, and once they get that kind of power, I think that that's what you're looking at is insanity. You're just looking at individuals who are insane and so um, mangled in their souls that they actually have no love or appreciation for the rest of humanity. And I think that is what's happening on this planet. And I bet you don't recognize that voice, but uh, interestingly enough, that's the voice of Vivian Kubrick, who is Stanley Kubrick's daughter. And of course, Stanley Kubrick himself is the subject of 
uh, a plethora of conspiracy theories, uh, notably that his movies include symbolism and messages about things as diverse as the moon landing and the elites and so on. Um, and also, of course, his final movie, Eyes Wide Shut, which depicted a Illuminati ball of some kind, some kind of sex orgy party. So it's really no surprise that she might turn out to be a bit of a conspiracy theorist, especially considering that her father was possibly murdered uh, before having the opportunity to finish the final cut of that film, of which I believe it was like 26 minutes were removed. So who knows what kinds of ideas he may have passed on to his daughter. If you don't offer any deterrent to the mass murderers that are the Merrill Lynch bankers, HSBC, Barclays, Lloyds, RBS that have been laundering money for Hamas or HMS, HSBC laundering money for Hezbollah. If you don't stop them, then they'll start to murder people. The people who are visiting the city of London should be aware there are 10, 20, 30,000 knife wielding psychopaths right there across the river next to that poppy river of blood which symbolizes the blood of the banksters that are murdering people. Beware, you may get your throat slit. That's what Boris Johnson should tell people when they're visiting London. It's dangerous. Many years ago in Kaiser Report, we covered a study from the Harvard University Medical School in which they found that uh, psychopaths, sociopaths, those with no emotions, actually have the, um, they're the best brokers, they're the best traders because they don't get emotionally involved, they don't have fear, greed, panic, any of that other stuff. We also learned this weekend actually in the United Kingdom that in 1982 under Thatcher, they had plans to hire psychopaths. The government planned to hire psychopaths in case of a nuclear attack or a nuclear meltdown. They said that these psychopaths would be the best people to run the city of London because they didn't, wouldn't have any panic or emotion. So here we see that this is their intention to have these sort of people, but sometimes their extracurricular activity brings a little bit of bad PR. I don't know how much of an extracurricular activity this was. I'm sure that the idea here was to create a bludgeon, slit throat, <laughs> prostitute, collateralized bond offering and sell it to some <laughs> Japanese pension fund. So it's all part of the ongoing day to day of the psychopathic bankers. Remember also last year we reported that these bankers, when they screen for new candidates to work at these banks, they want psychopaths. So they ask them questions that prove that they are psychopaths uh, because they know the psychopaths lack empathy. And when you lack empathy, then you're a good money manager because you have no consideration whatsoever of the consequences of your actions. So is it any wonder that the average person can't relate to people in power if in fact they are psychopathic? Is that not enough of a key to unlock the mysteries of why these people in power seem to behave in ways that are aberrant and unconscionable to the average person? I think it does. I think it's possible um, that psychopaths have, in a way, not to be alarmist, but in a way have taken over uh, society. Um, and I can see it both ways as well. I can see it as a natural progression of the tendencies that psychopaths have, um, but also as a systemic tendency, because in a lot of ways, capitalism does incentivize psychopathic behavior. Um, people who are willing to step on uh, their, their friends' faces to get to where they want to go um, tend to be more successful under capitalism. And maybe that's a generalization, Maybe the, um, the mechanisms of the market do balance that out. And if you're stepping on too many faces, the market will find you out and punish you for your lack of ethics. But if Max Kaiser says it, I think it has to be true. So um, 
I'm going to go with that as a working theory. So what have we got so far about psychopaths? First of all, there are degrees of psychopathy. Um, some are quite debilitating and obvious, while others are quite subtle and you know very hard to detect. We know that uh, 1% of the population is psychopathic and somewhere around 4% are sociopathic. And that doesn't even account for narcissism, which I would imagine applies in varying degrees to almost everybody. We can establish that on balance, psychopaths are attracted to power and that they're also unencumbered by empathy. So in a lot of ways, they're likely to perform better in a capitalist system where ruthlessness is rewarded. And all of this adds up to psychopaths rising to the top and taking positions of power in society. And I think you can make the argument that this is going to naturally increase over time. It's going to form a consistent trend throughout all of society, whereby we get more and more psychopaths in powerful positions and in control of our lives, essentially. And I don't think that part of the conspiracy stretches credibility at all if you factor in the psychopathy. However, the, the conspiracy theories do tend to go a fair bit further than just that um, and make all sorts of claims about the elite, the deep state. Uh, they say that they're Luciferians and they say that they're involved in child pedophile rings. And those types of things, again, as just a regular person who is not into worshipping the devil or destroying children's lives, um, that is a bit harder to understand. And to be honest, I struggled with that aspect of it for years and resisted it and, um, you know, didn't, didn't really believe in it and didn't look into it much. But um, a few years ago, I came across this uh, concept of the cacistocracy. I'm a big fan of the Corbett Report channel, and James Corbett is a researcher and presenter that I tend to think that I can trust. And he had a video out. Uh, it was actually, I think, only on his secondary channel. It was an old podcast from 2015, I think, where he was talking to Jared Andringa. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. About this idea of the cacistocracy. And for some reason this helped it all click in my mind. One of the reasons for the intimate association of the power elite with child abuse is that they might use it to maintain their somewhat hidden cacistocracy. Cacistocracy is government by the worst and most evil people, a highly capable brand of psychopaths, if you like. Psychopathy is only mildly hereditary, so an elite psychopath cannot guarantee that sons or daughters will be just as psychopathic. I expect this entails that they need a steady resupply of ruthless and power-hungry individuals who understand the world deeply and pervasively and, as such, are highly capable. Normally deep and pervasive understanding leads to wisdom and a sense of responsibility, humility even. But that is precisely not what the cacistocracy needs. It needs the same depth and pervasiveness of understanding, but in combination with utter ruthlessness and the capacity to appear respectable. Enter child abuse. By abusing children, you give them an attachment disorder by violating or destroying the deep sense of security that is the basis for an open attitude toward learning and discovering. With this trust violated, the child's world changes from a world of opportunities to a world of potential and actual threats. And often they will search and serve those who can protect them from these threats, and in doing so, giving their autonomy away for life. 
and they might even carry it over to their children, stultifying their growth towards autonomy. Aristocrats and priests must have discovered a long time ago that abused children lead to useful servant adult servants, slaves actually. And while this is despicable to people with a normal moral development, it is a positive thing for psychopaths who see other people as tools anyway. Yet this does not solve the problem of keeping the cacistocracy supplied with respectable-appearing, super-high-functioning and completely ruthless psychopaths. Only a small fraction of the population, say 1%, is psychopathic, and as such has the benefit of an absence of empathy and conscience. Psychopaths are able to exploit others as if they were tools. Yet the vast majority of them are not particularly evil. They can be ruthless, daring, and callous, but they find mostly norm-abiding ways to be psychopathic. They might be mountaineers, military, ER doctors, car or insurance salesmen, real estate brokers, or white-collar criminals. But most are definitely not the high-functioning individuals that compare with how the power elite see themselves and would accept as their peers. So how do you recruit suitable psychopaths in your midst if they do not advertise themselves as such? Enter child abuse again. If you organize events for the ambitious and capable in which they progressively can show that, notwithstanding their veneer of respectability, they are actually completely ruthless, you have the ideal recruiting grounds for the cacistocracy. Of course, blackmail plays a role, but the suitable candidates gladly let themselves become blackmailable because this gives them access to the inner sanctum of this cacistocracy. They prove themselves worthy members and loyal due to their blackmailability, and in return they receive access to power in a way they could never dream of on their own. After a while they become fully accepted, to a level that suits their capabilities, and they will help to maintain that system that gave them so many opportunities, and can end their respectability at any point in time. So yeah, there's some pretty dark stuff in there. Child abuse is one of those things that uh, stirs a lot of emotion uh, and is just very, very hard to deal with. But it is something that we know happens. There's obviously a lot of Catholic priests and so on that we know have been involved in child abuse. And we know it happens. We know it happens behind closed doors. But um, do we know how much it happens and how pervasive it might be? If we don't look into it and start to understand it, how can we ever prevent it from happening? It's almost worse that child abuse, this idea that child abuse could possibly just be a tool that psychopaths use to control each other and to vet each other um, as they consider bringing others into their inner circle. For some reason, the idea that... it might be something to do with actual sexual attraction or, or a, a, some kind of a, a disorder in someone's mind, you know, like a malfunction of the natural sexual attraction that humans have to each other. Somehow that makes more sense and is, is a more comfortable idea than the idea that all of this stuff, the, the, the child abuse, the, the devil worship, the crazy stuff, that it's just a control system, that it's just a, a, a mechanism to maintain power. But on a logical basis, it's the latter that makes more sense. What if all this stuff, this, this crazy stuff that uh, the conspiracy theorists talk about, but also seems to be actually coming out in, you know, your Harvey Weinstein scandals 
and all of your uh, pedophilia rings and the Catholic Church and all of these things. What if all of that stuff is just created by the elite as a kind of smokescreen for their activities, as a way to indoctrinate people and then test them and initiate them into a system of abuse and violence? And the ultimate question is, have we been here before? And by we, I mean humanity. Are we just part of a brand new empire that's going to go through all of the same cycles as the empires of history? I've seen articles that talk about the, I think, seven phases of a civilization, um, and they're remarkably consistent throughout all of history. What if we're just going through those phases right now? What if, what if this natural tendency of psychopaths to rise to the top is actually the mechanism that brings down civilizations? What if that's the reason why these cycles exist? If that's true, is there an opportunity to somehow short circuit that mechanism and have the uh, inevitable decline of our civilization headed off at the pass? Is there something that we can do now that could pull us out of that spiral? And that's why it's so important to get this story straight. If this is what's happening in the world at the moment, if psychopaths are the root cause of the issue, then we should understand that. We should look at it and we should understand it now. If we can understand that, then we can look at how do we get ourselves out of this. You know, this, the, the story the establishment tells us is the system is perfect. It can't be fixed. It can't be improved upon. Capitalism, democracy, we got all that right a long time ago. You know, we, we, we got the right answer. But what if it's not the right answer? Or what if it's a good answer, but we could do better? What if we could apply the technology that we've built while riding this wave of capitalism and this bubble that we all sit upon? What if we could use that technology to create a world that wasn't subject to decline, that's something that was sustainable. What would it take to create a better world, to update our thinking? Well, this is narratively speaking, so let's just say we need to update our stories quite significantly. I think the way people think and feel about things, they feel like war is inevitable Suffering is inevitable. Inequality is inevitable. And we just accept our lot. We don't think through what could possibly be better or how we could improve things. That's the thing I think if I could change one thing about the world that we live in, I'd like to see what happens to humanity if we could tell stories that give us hope and whether that hope could lead us to a better future. I reckon us humans have it in us to do something pretty damn special given the right environment. But at the moment, we're perpetuating an environment that's, that's toxic, that, that's not conducive to being the best version of ourselves. But this is our story, and we're the main characters in it. But we're also the authors of this tale. And we all know that the protagonist of a story needs to grow and change. He needs an arc. So what's humanity's arc? Are we growing? Is our consciousness expanding? 
Are we learning, changing, becoming better people? I don't know. Does the protagonist of any story really know what type of story they're in until the very end? But if I had to pick the type of ending that I'd like to see, let's go for an M. Night Shyamalan-style twist, where just when you think the hero of the story is defeated, he finds new strength, a new power, turns it around and defeats the enemy. Because that way... There's room for a sequel. Hell, maybe it'll even be a franchise. Because if we don't do that now, there's an inevitability about this story. We'll just be subjected to another fucking reboot. And nobody wants that. (laughs) 